and the one that you or the one in youtube is the one that really stays so we can go live it takes about 3 seconds to go to live so very very nicely organized everything is so nicely organized so because we've already met each other and we said hi i will not do it again but let's do it again so thank you gabriela okay very it nice of you pleasure. to do this and really nice of you to do this i i just i, I the background is i tell you background was that there is this show that i call that's called in conversation with the beautiful mind so migle who's a fellow for this year was on that so she spoke mm-hmm. about this fellowship so it, after that i did not even know about it so i then there was a post on linkedin on this i saw that and then i was looking at the list of people and i said oh this is all so many people i'm connected with so let's just have a conversation with them and let us also help prospective applicants maybe for this year or for next year so let's mm-hmm. talk to them so that process started and then it became, i i realized that the people on that list all these fellows they're such nice people let's do it on a regular basis so now it's going <laughs> attempt is to do with do this with all fellows i started this new series because of that this mediator experiences so the idea is that memorable experiences don't have to be in a mediation in relation to the mediation world so this mm-hmm. is how it happened so that's the background so thank you very much and it is my pleasure and please if you want to introduce yourself and then tell us about your experience with the fellowship and please okay so my name is gabriela sma i i'm brazilian but i'm also lebanese uh brazil has a lot of lebanese influence so ever since i was a child uh i was interested in resolving conflicts and <laughs> my family was a great resource to learn that full of raw material uh like most families that i know uh and then i grew up not willing to be a lawyer i wanted to be an engineer at first but then i missed the human side of life and and then i decided to study law as well and i did and at the beginning i was uh very involved with um uh tax media uh, tax um lawyering because i had to do with numbers and i was more acquainted and so on and again i missed the human side of it and i went to the united states to look for international experience in general and that's how i became uh, aware that something called mediation existed the first sentence i read about mediation i was studying civil procedure at that moment for my masters and there was one sentence in huge amount of materials that i had to read and it only said that mediation uh is a methodology uh that helps parties find solutions that everybody can accept and when i read that sentence it was a life changing moment an aha moment i said well there is a name to what i really want to do with my life and what i have been doing um on a on a more uh experimental basis but there's already a methodology for that so i dove into mediation did everything i could during my masters and after the masters i stayed to work in new york in a new york law firm and that's how i had my first contact with jams i asked the the litigation partner to take me with the the 
legal team uh, accompanying clients into mediations and they took me to jams and i i, I shadowed my first mediation in 1999 uh, at jams and i said this is what i want to do when i grow up <laughs> of course i was already a grown up i was already a lawyer for a number of years but that was something that i where i could see the world in through better lenses that's how i i really saw solutions to the real problems that we face in life and that many times are very hard to overcome and so it was my first experience really seeing a better world for the future and how i could be a small part of that movement that the world really needs and humankind in general yeah. uh, so i came back to brazil in 2000 and i started talking about mediation to people that had never heard of it and many people uh, mix the concepts of mediation and meditation, which is not too bad. Uh, <laughs> but I had a full field, uh, completely empty. And, and I did everything I could from community mediation to mediation in prisons to mediation in, in uh, secondary schools, primary schools and, and business mediation, because business was my natural uh, my natural environment. That's how I, I made money. I was always uh, at that time, at that point, I was already uh, a, an experienced lawyer working either in law firms or in big corporations. So that was my natural. Uh, and then at some point I became uh, the, the local director for um, a global NGO uh, network and we created i created everything from scratch in brazil being part of this uh, partners global network partners is the name of the network mm -hmm. uh, and our main project was to do mediation in in schools but in very conflicted area in armed conflicted areas in the slums in rio where there's a lot of violence and, and at that moment, while I was doing this work, which was certainly one of the most beautiful I've ever done, uh, the fellowship started. And I already had not just, I, I had this previous connection with GEMS through the law firm that I had worked for in New York, but the, the founder of this NGO network was a very good friend of many of the senior partners in senior owners at GEMS. So I learned about the, 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 the fellowship and I applied immediately. And I was a fellow in 2011. So I was one of the first uh, teams of fellows. And, and it is also an experience that is worth living. Uh, we don't only have access to beautiful minds uh, to uh, great mediators, technically speaking, but we can live the environment inside of GEMS. And they are very generous in terms of what they share with us with the goal 
that we can go back to our country and do something good with it and develop mediation even further than we had been working for. Um, so I'm super thankful. And when I came back to Brazil right after that experience, I became one of the co-authors of the Brazilian mediation law. Uh, and thanks to that experience, I think I did something good. Uh, and ever since I've been, I, I use mediation in everything I do. So nowadays I'm an ombudsman in a very, very complicated uh, pension fund. Uh, and doing ombudsing, doing what I have to do in terms of uh, conflicts with clients, internal conflicts, conflicts with the law many times because I also take care of the, the whistleblower channel. But in everything I do, I use mediation. Even when I cannot call myself a mediator because I'm on a different, using a different hat. But mediation becomes part of our lives. It's, it's unavoidable. It's something that it, it just catches us in the roots. So we can be a better person. And it's not like we're perfect, of course. We have our own conflicts where we are as violent many times as anybody else. Uh, but at least we notice what we could have done better much faster then if we were not mediators, we, we, if we were not transformed by this experience, and then we can fix the situation faster as well. Uh, with all our faults, with all our, our uh, imperfect beings, but we're a, a little bit more and more close to awareness, which helps in everything. And then just to finalize the, the path, Recently, a few years ago, doing a mediation, I felt that sensation that most mediators uh, have faced at some point that we couldn't help at the last step of a huge mediation where parties came from very far away, nobody believed in an agreement, and then they crossed all the, the boundaries, all the challenges, and at the last moment for uh, a, a, an agreement, they backed up. And I, I was devastated. And I, I thought, what didn't I see? What I couldn't help them see? What was missing after such a long way that we had successfully uh, overcome? And I understood that in many situations, human beings are, uh, they are caught up by something that is bigger than they are. They are contained in a system where they belong and, and where it, it's just life as it is for them because they were born in that system. They were, uh, everything that they see in the world, they see through those lenses, so they cannot criticize their own lenses. And that's how I got to the methodology that I, I use a lot now. I started using it as a tool for mediation, and then it became something uh, autonomous in my practice. And this has to do 
with the methodology created by a German guy that recently uh, passed away. His name is Bert Hellinger. And it, it, the name we use for it is constellation. Uh, because when it was translated from German into English and then into Portuguese and, and other languages, it was translated as constellation because the constellations of stars, they also have a characteristic of every living group, which is the place of one star cannot be replaced by another. Each one, each member of the group has its own place and that's how it should be because the main what characterizes one constellation in relation to another one is exactly where each star is positioned in relation to the other and that's how every system works every living system from bacteria, from plants to corporations to nations every system that is living has this characteristic of everybody having a place that is singular and through the understanding of this uh, great, great man, great, uh, he was actually a philosopher, uh, psychologist, uh, pedagogist. So he had many hats. He was a very um, holy, um, he had a, a whole view of humanity in many, through many um, parameters. And he could understand this functioning of, of human beings or every living being uh, in a different way. So he didn't discover it. He only organized what was already there through natural laws. Uh, but once we understand it, we can deal with it. So that's what the methodology does. The, so I, I, I said, why? It's called constellation. It has nothing to do with the zodiac, <laughs> uh, but the 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 main name the, the the name in German meant collocation. So it's always about the relative positioning that uh, characterizes the relationship, and of course the relationship has a big influence in who you are, what you have to show in that situation. So it's a different situation if it's like that, or like that, or like that, or like that, or like that. So the way you are positioned in a relationship in relation to the other person has a lot of influence in your behavior, and of course in the behavior of the other person and in everything that happens around. So using this methodology in addition to mediation, we can, uh, really build solutions there are uh, that lead to a better life. Wow, Gabriela, that was amazing. You've gone through so much. You've gone through, you, you've inspired people and you've also told us how when that mediator mindset meets the right place, it's the right place at the right time situation, suddenly something sparks and you suddenly take to it, which I've been talking about this getting inspired. And I mean, I'll tell you about that as we go along, but this is something which you've done and your philosophical aspect of it and everything. Okay, this is a this the clip by itself has to be taken out separately and sent out. In that little clip, you've said so much. 
it's like amazing that i think that's really nice so i know this conversation is going to be very very interesting as we go along i hope so <laughs> but but what about your experience as such in terms of the fellowship and the people you met and those relationships what about that uh my my work plan was to learn more and and organize uh the elements uh the ne the necessary elements the requirements to build uh, a business mediation market because in brazil uh we since 2010 we have had legislation the the, the first uh, norm that we had to regulate mediation uh, was from the National Council of Justice, which is a body uh, constituted by not just the judiciary, but all the, the legal players. So lawyers, uh, prosecutors, the public defendants, and so on, they all represented, represented in that body. And that body regulates mainly the, the the work environment in the courts. Uh, so they they had this resolution since 2010 um, about how the judiciary could incorporate mediation. So we private practitioners, we were already working for some time then. Um, and, and then at that point, it was the first spark of a mediation public policy. After that, we had not just the law where I worked with many others, but uh, the the Civil Procedure Code also incorporated mediation in 2016. And, and when the Civil Procedure Code incorporated mediation, the lawyers at least had to know about mediation. So it was a big, um, a big movement towards mediation because people not only got curious, but they, they needed the knowledge. So there was a lot of, it started to have a big movement of mediation trainings and so on. But that, that is a, a, a good step towards a market, but it's not enough. To have a market, you need to have uh, the fundamentals. You need to have people willing to pay for that service. And I know that throughout the world, uh, and actually I did a very interesting constellation for the, the prosperity of mediators anywhere in the world. And what it showed clearly, because as I said, it's not something that we invent or we develop, it's something that, that comes up uh, in the field and then it's a whole different conversation. But so it, it, it makes the main characteristics of a group show up, basically. Uh, so every mediator in the world uh, is very purposeful. Most people that I know that became a mediator became because they want to do something good with their lives. Most are, not most, but many are lawyers. They are a little um, sometimes depressed, sometimes just demotivated with the practice of law because the practice of law is something that is uh, that ends in itself. And I know very, very few cases where people got off of a legal process better than they were before, if 
any <laughs> because we lose time we lose the relationships we lose our face and many times what we get in the end even if when we win the cause is something that has nothing to do with our actual needs with our actual desires at first so it escalates the conflict more than resolves it in general uh at least in brazil uh, and in Brazil, we have a number of litigation that is incredible. I'll, I'll tell you a story about the number of litigations in a while. Uh, so most mediators are doing it first for themselves. First, as a, as a, a self-knowledge mechanism. Because when you are mediating, you cannot uh, miss anything. You have to be at the present. You have to be aware of everything that is going on in the room. And at the same time, you cannot impose your own lenses, your own wishes, your own way of doing things. You have to, to help the parties be themselves and build a solution that will work for them, maybe not for you. And maybe you disagree with what they are deciding, but it's their process that you're just facilitating. So you have to work on uh, um, a way of being present that is without self-intention. It's without the, the possibility of you being the star in the room. And that is a sentence that I heard of a very senior mediator, mediator at JAMS that I love. He was a former judge and he said that in order to, to get into these shoes of the mediator, before he opened the door of the room where the parties were waiting for him, he always stopped, breathed, and said to himself, I'm not the most important person in this room. And this, this humble attitude is absolutely fundamental to being a mediator. And it's something so little known for most of us. We're trained to be the most important. We are trained to make ourselves so important. And in reality, we are just another human being trying to be happy and avoid suffering. And mediate, through mediation, we train that human kindness without which we will not help the parties. The more we want to help them with what we know, the less we do help them. So it's, it's a training for life. So many people do that for them first and then for the parties. The parties are almost like, oh, you're there. <laughs> and, and by being so uh, fulfilled by this practice, many people forget that they need to make money. I'm not talking about everybody, but many people, most people. And since there are so many people happy of just being there as a mediator, uh, the market uh, Many people do it for free or for almost free. And then the message that it sends to the market is it has no value. Because for the people who, the, the potential clients, the people who are, have not had an experience, a good experience in mediation, they don't know what it is and nobody pays for what they don't know what it is. And because of course, when the parties are inside the conflict, leaving the conflict in their cells, in their bones, 
neuro neurologically they're not able to see a possibility of a, a, a mutually positive solution and when somebody from outside says well i can help you i can help you do be the best of yourselves in order to find the best possible solution and that person that had tried so many times to resolve the problem looks at this person and says but what do you know about the situation and the person says that i don't know and that's how i can help it's very hard to understand it's not intellectually uh, complete in our human level of understanding so only once people have been through the experience they can really value mediation and its effects and its long-term effects so the decision to pay for that service is not obvious although i many times compare mediation to uh, oncology so we're we're doctors of a cancer in the relationship body so when i have the parties looking at each other with hate what is happening here affects their bodies and that is the relationship space so a conflict is very similar to to the phenomenon of cancer in the body it's something a part of something that got out of the natural the the organic functioning and decided not to collaborate with the rest that's exactly what cancer cells do and and they're the only dangerous because they multiply very fast faster than the healthy cells otherwise they're weaker so it's exactly like the the the, the conflict phenomenon so although we are uh, somehow comparable to doctors when you're feeling the pain in your body you don't think twice about paying for the best doctor if you can but for conflict you when when it's about conflict you only blame the other party which is much faster and and cheaper than looking at your own responsibility and being uh again a co-author of something with that person being a co-author of the solution so paying for a mediator takes a much wider range of uh, elements than it does for doctors or for lawyers or for anybody that will take care of just one of the parties so but then coming back to my fellowship uh i wanted to discover what these elements were to build a healthy market and the one conversation that i just want to mention was with a, a very very successful lawyer uh he was a, a a big partner in a huge law firm worldwide law firm and i interviewed him as many other people asking uh why did you take the the pioneer steps into mediation why did you start taking your clients to mediation when the market was just starting and very few people knew about it and he answer was absolutely brilliant he said 
I didn't go to mediation. I didn't suggest mediation to my clients because I love mediation or because I loved human beings and wanted to be a peacemaker. I did it because I needed to offer my client a more a, a wiser solution than the other law firm was offering. Full stop. <laughs> so uh, many times when I teach lawyers, both about being a mediator and about being a lawyer in the mediation setting, I, I mentioned this conversation because I think it was very, very wise. Yes. And now, I don't know where it says on your LinkedIn profile, the philosopher word has to come somewhere on your profile. The Gabriella, yeah, the philosopher. I, I, think <laughs> I don't deserve the title. You do. But I, I love the ones that de who deserve. <laughs> oh, no, I think it's wonderful. I'm telling you these, I thought that was one clip. Now this clip, all of them together, I think is going to make a very, 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 very interesting watch for people. So definitely. Because all these things that you've said, these are things which I've been speaking about. The symposium that I told you, with almost 100 speakers there and all, from all parts of the world. The similar issue about them doing it because it's a passion, but them not being able to do it on a full-time basis because the value, the people are not valued. They're not being able to do it on a full-time basis. There was one person from Brazil, Constantia. She said, look, in my lifetime, I want to see that I can practice it as a full-time activity. In my lifetime, imagine she wants to do that and how constrained you are because of circumstances so we have to do something about that that we have to also discuss how to do that but otherwise otherwise i mean then you went to the us and then you what what were the activities that you did there and you know brazilian has over 200 million people and it happens that Constancia is my friend. <laughs> wow, wow. No, and she's a wonderful person. She's a wonderful person. It's, it's been very nice talking to her in that symposium and otherwise also. So I think really, I mean, these are people that you feel, like I said, these are people should be out there only mediating, nothing else. And to, for them to do anything else is not fair on the world. <laughs> they need people yeah. like that, but like you, they just have to be out there. So we have to do something about that for sure. Yeah, but what I say, I, I do teach a lot of people from completely different backgrounds in completely different environments, from different professions. And many people ask, uh, where do I start? And I always say, the, the answer is the same for everybody. Start where you are. Start using mediation in what you already do and in what you already legitimate. So then you can develop towards maybe being a full-time mediator, but it's a long way and it's, it's a way for, for very few, but you can use mediation to better whatever you do. But Gabriela, the thing is that the court system by itself is an issue for me. The court system and the mediation coming through that, I think that has actually in a way destroyed the profession. And people, like you said, got used to the fact that it comes for almost free. And that aspect then was carried on all over the world, that whole model that it's been successful. And I keep, I, in the symposium also, every session I kept saying this, that it was the self-interest of the judiciary. They wanted that case, the backlog to go. But for that self-interest, they've actually destroyed a profession. And yeah. this is not, and everywhere in the world. Yeah, that's true. I, I wanted to mention a story and <laughs> you understand the, the picture. In 2015, I was 
in a meeting with GEMS fellows from all over the world and we, I was already an alumni and there were other alumni and we were supposed to, to talk about the state, the, the, the development and the current state of mediation in our countries. And before my turn, there was this wonderful Indian woman uh, who was one of the pioneers in India uh, doing mediation in the court system. And then now she's a private practitioner, very successful. And she said the sentence, India desperately needs mediation because we have 32 million pending cases in court. 32 million in India. Okay. India is about, in terms of population, India is about five times the size of Brazil, five times bigger. So I didn't know if I should laugh or cry, but I was the, the, the following uh, after her. And when I started my talk, I said, <laughs> Lila just mentioned 32 million pending cases. Brazil has 200 million people. And currently, that was 2015, now it's a little better. Currently, we have 108 million pending cases. This would not have been a shock to me, but I, because I heard, I've heard this in the symposium, so now <laughs> actually it's a shocking thing. It is, no, because it means that every Brazilian is in court at least once, and some more than once. So it's an incredible inversion of values. So if society works as a, as a pyramid, because we have, like any group, any system, we need to have most conflicts resolved by the base of the pyramid, where there is more people and where solutions are less intrusive. So you're, you're using the time and energy of less people to resolve daily issues. It doesn't make sense to use the state for things that the, the society should be resolving. Yeah. Yeah. But in Brazil, since access to justice was thought of as free justice, everything goes to court and we have a huge number of lawyers. We have more law schools than the rest of the planet, indeed. Uh, so we keep using the state to resolve our issues as if the state was the big guy and we were still children, all children. So it's a very immature attitude. Gabriela, let me tell you what. Yeah, please, please. No, so. no, no, just, no, 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 just, please, please. So, so the, the, the normal functioning of a society is to have most conflicts resolved at the base and only a few that goes to the top because the base was not able to resolve them, but they tried. So when you have free judiciary, but it's not free, of course, because we pay taxes and because it can be free to, to uh, render uh, an initial petition but the one who has to defend himself will have to pay for a lawyer. So, so it's not free. And, and, and this is a cost that is spread up. So we don't see it. And then when everything goes up, the pyramid gets inverse. So it can either collapse or turn. So it, it's a completely misuse 
of the power and the importance of the state, in my view. Okay, I'll tell you where and, I, yeah, okay, no, please, no, you go won't. Ahead, I, no, 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 I'll put this point. I can because, go ahead forever, so no, You please. have to, you have to, please go ahead. But this point I will put across because I, I will put it across later, but please, you continue, continue. I want to hear this. No, 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 that's it. So I, my, my, my point is mediation is not only um, a good solution for one specific situation. It, it is also educational. And once people really understand the benefit of being part of the solution, not only part of the problem, and they understand that if they want the other party to perform like agreed, they have to perform like agreed, so they take responsibility. This is a maturing process for society. Of course, it will take a long time to be perceived by most, but it's the only way towards a, a sustainable society. And as Einstein said, I use a lot sentences that he said because he was uh, something. Uh, he said, humanity will have to find a completely different way of thinking if it is to survive. And mediation was the first methodology that I ever found. There can be others, but I haven't found <laughs> uh, that really lead in this sustainable direction. Yeah. If we don't relate sustainably, it's useless to talk about the environment or about diversity and so on and so forth. Okay, because I tell you again, I'll go back to that symposium. The topic of the symposium was mediation in our culture and traditions. That was the topic. Now, what came out for me from that was that, first of all, colonization has had a major effect on dispute resolution systems and the mindset. So the way, whatever conditioning that you can say that happens over hundreds of years, that the state is the body, you have to go there. All dispute resolution happens in courts. So to un first of all, you have to undo that. So that mindset has to be, it's not going to be easy. It's going to take its time. We have, but have, I'm say now working on those aspects because I feel instead of popularizing and talking about mediation, first that mindset has to change. So that has to be worked on. Then traditional dispute resolution systems were destroyed because obviously the colonizer doesn't want the, you to resolve your disputes within yourselves. It's not good for a colonizer. Divide and rule is one aspect of it, and you have to be dependent on the state is another aspect of it. So all that that the colonizer, colonizer did, that effect is going is still there, and I don't know how long it'll take to get over that. But that is where I feel that we need to start if we have to take mediation somewhere. So that mindset needs to change. And like you, these figures that you're pointing out about the number of cases, this is exactly what I kept talking about. But for the US also. There are 100 million cases which are filed in a population of 300 million. That's huge. And that is when we say 40, 45 years of mediation there and everything. So there's, fundam there's some fundamental issue there. And I look at it from the court system. I still look at it from the court system that it hasn't worked because I've had speakers from the US and senior mediator who's only practices as a mediator. He talks about the court system and his experience there and how it is just something that people, in a way, lawyers have taken control of the mediation, entire mediation, and they use these mediators in the courts. The mediator gets nowhere. 
he's just he comes in with this enthusiasm that yes the lawyers will recognize me i'll get private work doesn't happen new lot comes in so the, the there is no focus on the mediator anywhere so i'm focusing on the mediator we have to whatever look i don't i'm not concerned about the self interest of the judiciary they have to get their uh, house in order whatever the way they have to do it the state like you said we don't have to fund people's disputes can courts just be any other service provider can they should they why should the state be involved in certain things because i'm saying the colonizers colonizers think that we have to be involved in everything you do but no we don't you don't have to be involved in everything they do they have to resolve the disputes themselves you you can we have these service providers called courts you want to come in yes you have this it's all self funded this is what you get because why do you want to get into everything so maybe you have to look at reforms in a lot of other ways but your yeah. thoughts yeah in that uh, situation of mediators mediating for free in court thinking that that will be a networking that will bring private clients to them and so on and so forth or that the court at some point will pay them in brazil some states in some because the legislation is state wise uh some states are paying the mediators an okay amount uh, at least it's not indecent in in other states it's indecent uh so i won't even say the amount because i mean it's nothing Yeah, it's better to receive nothing because it will it will be so much work to get that little money that my time is <laughs> worth more. So anyway, uh, but it gives you experience. So as I learned in the United States, I learned mediation in the United States in a multi-door courthouse connected court annex center. center but it was called a community center so it was funded by many sources including the judiciary so it could be really independent and and i was very happy to work for free for some time while i was work while while i was learning so it made sense i was very very um thankful to what i was getting which was experience an excellent mentor and development but the thing is when you do a system like that based on voluntary service it is in, it is not sustainable because the good people will not be there one thing is when you are learning and you have a mentor that is present in the room to oversee what is going on and get back to track if something goes wrong because you cannot play with human lives you're dealing with lives you're dealing it's like going uh, through a surgery in the relational body mediation is 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 a a surgery or even if it's not so intrusive but it's a treatment in something that is not healthy and it's in pain so you cannot play with people and and put in the room mediators with no experience at all who would go to a surgery with a doctor that has never operated before even if he read all the books in the world so it's the same thing so when i was doing my training i had the mentor in the room in the united states but in many places in brazil what they do what they call it uh in, in instead of supervision it's internal vision so it's uh unexperienced people giving feedback to 
to the one that is in the table. I mean, it's really complicated. Uh, but this is what happens when we put volume before quality. And it, it's a natural a movement for many people who don't know how mediation can be life changing. Uh, and then the message that it sends to the market is that mediation is not effective, the quality is terrible, the mediators are not, not uh, knowledgeable enough, and so on. So it also uh, jeopardizes the market. And the, the situation of someone doing something for free in the expectation of getting money later on is also self-depleting because you get you get very uh how can i say you it's like you you're taking value out of yourself and you're looking for value where it's not the the judiciary will never pay enough to experienced mediators because it's not the core business but if we do court mediation in return for status uh for uh for example a real network then it makes sense so in new york for example i i know great mediators who charge a thousand dollars an hour of a mediation that do court work for free because it is prestigious so either you have the courts should pay the mediators or they should understand that they are only the nursery so mediators are only there while they are learning and and the teachers of course they go to to a company to mentor the the, the people who are learning and that is okay that's how i started in brazil uh, uh, overseeing mediations with my students and that was that made sense or the mediator should be should have a lot of prestige so being a court mediation mediator means something in my resume then it makes sense again but there needs to be disparity this this balance between what we give and what we get this is also a systemic law <laughs> but the only thing i the thing with all this is like i said the foundation is wrong first of all courts and mediation are totally two diametrically opposite things the north pole and south pole moment you start getting them together there will be absurd and more absurd things which will come out of it but my i will appeal to these experienced mediators you said who charge a thousand dollars and do it for free in the courts i just want to appeal to them that you are in some way affecting the livelihood of people who are practicing as mediators only because no. you are doing you did, no why i'm saying so is that the, the, the people are getting it for free and for people like us who are outside practicing as mediators, they they will obviously not come to us. They will go to that court. And that is what Jeff, Jeff in the symposium spoke about, that he was doing it for free there. And obviously they were all coming to him for that time, but they never took time for him outside. So for that end, the person who's practicing only as a mediator, in a way you affected his livelihood because you're doing it as an experienced mediator like that for free. So I'm just saying so free I, should not happen. I understand happen. the point. I understand the point, but we, I, maybe I didn't give enough information. When it's done like that, the court sends to these free mediators only the cases where the parties could not pay. Yeah. So then it's pre -pro it was bono. a pro bono. Yeah, yeah exactly. It had pro to bono. be pro bono. Yeah. yeah because... But since they have a very restrict uh, selection process, 
the mediators that they offer to these parties are highly experienced. They are all highly experienced. So since it, it is a small number of cases, because if the parties can pay, they will refer it to mediation outside in the market. Okay, that's good. But when the people cannot pay, then they bring in these great mediators that will work for free because it is actually a pro bono case. And for them, this means a great prestige in their resume. That's because it is only in those situations. So the, the, the balance is kept. It's another way of keeping balance. Yeah, but I like that aspect what Jeff spoke about, the difference between free and pro bono. He was speaking about that aspect, that you're giving it free to people who can afford it. Pro bono yeah, is a totally absurd. different concept. Yeah, pro bono yeah. is a totally different concept, and I understand that. But here, yeah. the fact of getting it free, so I, that makes sense. I mean, that makes sense that you've given them the best, and those people are willing to give their time, and those people can't pay. So, and this prestige yeah. thing. Look, the thing is that with the whole concept of mediation, it in traditionally actually happened like that with these mediators, as we know in society, they were people who were respected. And they, for their prestige, they did that. They were not doing it for money. They were respected in that society. Could be anyone. Could be in terms of the religious aspect, the rabbis or the priests or whoever, the chiefs of a tribe or whatever. But of course, a lot of them were not doing pure mediation as we know it. They were telling mm -hmm. them what to do kind of thing. So we have to look at that part also, whether it was pure mediation as we call it. But that there are interesting things which came out of that in the symposium, which I will take you through because there is a whole concept that... I, I mean, I've been saying that social pressure is not such a bad thing. If you do something because of social pressure, although you have a choice, I don't think that's such a bad thing. That, that can still be considered mediation, that you were, a solution came out and you accepted the solution because it's good for the community. So I don't see that as so much of a problem, but people have a, an individualistic societies have a problem with that, that the individual should totally not be influenced by anything. I, I don't think community living is such a bad thing. I don't think it's such a bad thing. I <laughs> so, totally agree. <laughs> so, so a lot of interesting things came out, interesting people came out of that. And I mean, like I keep giving the example, there's James in Kenya, who's actually strengthening the traditional systems there. So mm -hmm. there is a lot of work that he's doing there in Brazil, in Kenya, they've actually, the courts have endorsed the, whatever the traditional methods and what comes out of that, they've actually endorsed that, which is very rare. You know, countries haven't done that. So that, so that strengthens the traditional system that much more. So mm -hmm. I give this example, I'll give that example to you. It might be repetition for other people who hear this, but there was a murder that took place in a community in Kenya. So the, within the community, they came up with a solution that the victim's family will get 15 camels. And mm -hmm. the thing was finished. But the police obviously had to file its the report and it went to the court. And then no one came to the court. No complainant, no witnesses, nothing. So the judge understood, sends the police to the communities, asked them what they decided what they within themselves. So they said 15 camels thing. He passed an order on that basis. Major controversy. Mm -hmm. How can you do that? You have a penal code. So then he looked at the constitution and explained that the constitution endorses these aspects. And so now today that is law. So interesting things like that are happening in the world. We don't even know about it. So building up, because I want to build it up from ground upwards because mm -hmm. otherwise I don't, it hasn't been, it hasn't taken off the way it should have taken off the way we would think because we know it works and everything, but still why isn't it as popular as it should be? So I'm looking at it. Let's like you said, I mean, even talking about the people who do it, 
let's pick up those people who have the natural ability they're already out there doing it and they don't even know this called mediation they don't know this is mm-hmm. a word called mediation it's just part of their life it's a way of life so get them into the fold so for that i will tell you the i mean the uh, one lecture series i've started based on what ken cloak said in one of my i do a show called evolution of a mediator so in that he mentioned that he went for a lecture about mediation and in 2 minutes he knew his life had changed but how many people access to those lectures he was a judge at that time so he had access to that lecture so i said let's put out these lectures and you are going to be part of that as i've understood from what you have just said you are perfect for a, as a lecturer you need to be out there telling to inspiring people so i said let's put them out let's inspire people there so many people must be out there they are there so let's get them into the fold so i want to start from there so once the user experience is guaranteed because this person is already trusted and already people are being benefited so user experience is guaranteed so let's take them from there and let's start from there maybe that might be the way it might take off because the right people will be there so because mm-hmm. the this training aspect and all i have an issue with that because i'm saying you can't make a mediator that whole evolution of a mediator series was for that just to show that this person has gone through so much that is what makes the person a mediator not True. going to a particular training i make i made you a mediator no so that if if you watch one of those episodes of evolution of a mediator you'll see what they've gone through so many aspects of things get together and i said over time we'll find a common thread between all these people also we'll find a common thread but i'm not wanting to put that common thread let people work watch them and work that out but a lot of common th- common thread is coming out of it and of course one aspect i keep talking about is spirituality spirituality plays an important role in that and that i see with these people everything so that so a lot of a lot of areas which are not touched when we generally talk about mediation and training and all that so i have a little bit of a different viewpoint which might not be what people want to hear but i i put it put it across <laughs> i i completely agree and i i i work a lot with the spirituality and in spiritual intelligence and i like to to explain this constellation work uh especially when i talk in corporations to to business people i say it if you have tried to resolve a problem with the best of your intellectual intelligence you've brought in the best consultants the best professionals and and nobody solved the problem logically the solution is outside of what intellectual intelligence can reach it's basically in the unconsciousness as jung used to say the, the consciousness is equivalent to a uh, um a cork floating in the notion of unconsciousness so there's a lot of probability that solutions are in the unconsciousness so what the the system the the, the methodology does is to bring up your other intelligences to help you with what the intellectual intelligence has already achieved so it's complementary to intellectuality because intellectuality is more likely to be not enough than to be enough and and then we come in with not only emotional intelligence physical intelligence but mainly spiritual intelligence because spiritual intelligence is the only one that can help us really um be conscient about the system that is much bigger than us that is affecting us this is what 
brings our point of view to something broader than ourselves, which is a reality no matter if we, are, we want it or not, if we like it or not. We are spiritual beings, and that's why we are here, by the way. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So that is, this is one thing which is not really discussed and actually forms a very important part of the process. And maybe because it's not, look, you can't quantify it. I mean, you can't put up a, a meter and say, okay, this much spirituality goes into it. It's just there. I keep talking about the energy aspect also. What, an, say, a mediator brings in, that energy field around a mediator and everything, that's an important aspect of the whole thing. You can't put a gauge to it. So then how do you, if people talk about training, I say, well, how, can you train this aspect? This is just something that a person brings in. How the person brings it, where it comes from, we have to bring that, then the soul comes into the picture and all those things, the much wider areas which need to be discussed around it, which are lost because there is one, some formal concept that was developed at some point and that got carried through. So maybe, I don't know, a lot of people might think I have these very radical ideas on the whole thing, but I don't think they're radical. I think this is very normal and I'm sure you'll agree with me. So that so then you'll tell me I'm not so radical. <laughs> no, I, I thoroughly agree. So if you're radical, I'm, I'm also. <laughs> now I, I noticed that. That's exactly what I understand. That if there are people who understand this. We just have to bring them together and take it in a direction which might be, today might sound radical, but maybe that's the direction it had to go. Yeah. But you know, I was yesterday, I was talking, no, the day before, anyway, this week, I was talking to this great friend of mine that I only met online. I've never been in the same room with her, but we became very good friends. And she is Australian. Actually, she's South African, and but lives in Australia for her whole life. And we were talking exactly about this uh, movement that we are noticing of these people like you and me and her and, and other people, they are talking more and more openly about the spirituality that is part of life, not, not something supernatural, but something natural that makes us super. <laughs> yep. uh, and these people are starting to get together and we're starting to have the momentum for a quantic uh, I, I forgot that like when you raise one level mm -hmm. into a better reality a more refined reality a more understanding uh of nature a better understanding of nature so we need to be connected so that we can inspire those who are uh prone to see it but not already there so we, we will not change anybody who don't want to be changed we will not impose anything because it's part of nature so one one day or the other it will come up it's an unavoidable it's it's a need for but humanity no but gravely it's suppressed because of certain reasons and those reasons are not changing i mean look materialism is one of those reasons it gets suppressed about suppressed because of and a lot of other aspects which people are stuck with. So to be able to get them out of those things, to see that this is like, like a, in a way, let's see, as light at the end of the tunnel, to even get them to that point when they can see that light, that is becoming more and more difficult because those aspects which have changed society over time, to be able to undo that, 
I mean, look, right? One I said on the mind, of course, in terms of dispute resolution, the colonization aspect of it. But the society that we created around us over so many years has definitely. I mean, for someone to say that that light is light, first of all, they don't have to know that is light. <laughs> they might even not even think it's light. Many times they can only be tired of the darkness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because, because the darkness doesn't exist. The darkness is the absence of light. So when people are tired of the darkness, they naturally seek for light, which is, we can make it as a synonym to knowledge. So and we, we, what we are talking about starts to get into science. So there is this one uh, scientist, he's British, and uh, his name is Rupert Sheldrake. He was the guy that explained the constellations to Bert Hellinger. So Bert Hellinger, the German guy who, in, invented the methodology to deal with something that he couldn't name, but now we call the field. It is an electromagnetic field actually that connects us unconsciously. Uh, Rupert Sheldrake, who is a bi biologist by his first um, uh, professionist biologist, and then he became a philosopher as well. And, and he's a scientist that starting, started uh, uh, studying uh, behaviors that could not be explained by matter. So he started looking at plants and then small animals and trying to understand why some groups had a certain behavior and others didn't. And how these behaviors passed through generations uh, without any uh, possibility of them uh, writing books or anything. Uh, so for example, uh, he noticed that the frogs and the salamandra, they have basically the same uh, physical chemical structure. Uh, but the, the, if you cut off a part of the salamandra, it will grow back and in the frog it won't. And then they made little stimulation, uh, electric stimulation to the frog where it was cut and the frog developed reconstituted the member. Mm -hmm. So why do frogs not search for the electric stimulation while the salamanders do? Behavior, this is behavior. Behavior passed through the field much more than through matter. You cannot explain through the DNA or anything like that. So that's how he started to study this phenomenon. And he called it electromagnetic field. Morpho now and then he named it morphogenetic fields. And then he was invited to a, a workshop with Bert Hellinger. And after the, the workshop, uh, he asked Hellinger, do you know why this happens? The phenomenon that he just saw, uh, people uh, capturing information that was not intellectual, but it's sensorial. And Bert Hellinger said, I don't know why it, why it happens and I don't care. It's enough for me that it happens. <laughs> and then Rupert said, so let me explain you. And then he explained his whole theory that he was already developing. And now he's getting more and more into this um, bringing unconsciousness into science, explaining how this happens for natural reasons. It's nothing supernatural. It's just nature, but nature beyond matter. Yeah. And, and materialism 
is very limited because they only consider what they can see tangibly. But science is going beyond, finally. So I think it's getting better. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the interesting thing like this energy thing that I'm talking about, look, for me, this is all my concepts because I don't, uh, you will hear on my shows and everything. I keep saying that I don't read books. So, so my concept, at least you are putting a theory around it. So that's very nice. So the concepts and that theory comes from there. But this energy aspect of it, it's interesting what we were, we were discussing before we started this the live thing that the connection and physical meetings and that aspect of it. But I'm telling you, this energy aspect happens online. I have Zoom meetings, and in that Zoom meetings, I can feel that energy aspect of people, and you can I, you can actually feel it. I don't know how it how, how it happens, how it happens. So that happens. So that means there is something more than that physical sense. In the, there is something beyond that, and obviously to explain it, and of you are going to be tell me now on the theory part of it. So this is what I have noticed, and that is why for me this online world works perfectly for me. So because yeah. the same, it's the same thing that you get. You get to know people in that manner that energy feels and everything so now please put a theory behind it please no, i didn't do it it was einstein <laughs> <laughs> as he said space and time are illusions that's why the field works through zoom through anything and even if we were not seeing each other we were just thinking about each other if you are aware enough if you are sensible to the signs, you can get it. Not because you're superhuman, just because you're human. Just because I'm human too, and we are connected somehow. That's all. Well, the whole connection to the soul. I mean, I keep talking about that part, that, that connection to the soul. So now basically that soul part of it, you will put down to science. Now you're going to tell me about that also. Please tell me <laughs> that way. There must be some theory on that also. Well, Disney, even Disney World, is already doing some uh the new film of disney is called soul wow and it's about reincarnation okay you should you must watch it you will lo i loved it <laughs> it's not for my daughter it's for me so. <laughs> but she loved it too I must so watch it's that, that yeah. kind of movie that is good for every uh phase of life that for adults it has a meaning for children it has another meaning but it's great for everybody so even Disney is starting to be aware of it. The two last movies of Disney, Soul and Maya, The Last Dragon, I think that's the name, mm -hmm. they are about this uh, um, new level of consciousness mm -hmm. of the intangible. Watch both. Okay. I love both. <laughs> okay. And if Disney is doing it and it goes to the children and there is some understanding on that whole thing comes from within because it's all within it'll, it'll come from within them i think that's a very good sign if that happens yeah that's and for nice. them for example my daughter i talk about naturally about all these things and she she questions and she goes beyond many times because for them it's it's how the world is they, they're not questioning it because it, it already came to them naturally and before they get it's into like using the cell phone we had to learn how to use a cell phone and zoom and everything their generation they were already born at least my daughter she was already born with an iphone in front of her <laughs> taking pictures all, all day long and uh so for her she deals with it with no fear yep. we still fear breaking the thing and it stops working and it has a virus and so on for them it's part of their body 
So they will go much further beyond us. Like, like we did with our parents. And this is the natural thing to do. We get everything that the previous generations have reached. And our role is to go a little, at least a few steps beyond. No, and then the basic thing in that is to tell ourselves that they know better. So let them, whatever they think, do, let them, maybe it's certain things might be experiments, might be whatever, but we have to let them go beyond. That is the most important part. Yeah. Every and generation, yeah. Th there is another explanation for that. And uh, one other development besides Bert Hellinger, there are two other Germans who have been creating methodologies to deal with the field. And this other one called Matthias Varga von Kibet and his wife Insa Sparer. Uh, he's a mathematician. He, he's alive, thank God. Uh, he is the head of the, the logic uh, subject in the Munich University. And he developed an, another way, completely different than Bert Hellinger's way to deal with constellation. They called it structural constellation. And it's all based on mathematics. And what he said, he said, I, I did a training with him and I was completely, you know, <laughs> I felt like I could be there forever. <laughs> and uh, he explained this need that we have, and, and this is also part of constellation. We, we deal with it frequently. Uh, the need that we have to go beyond what we got from our parents is explained by the sequence of Fibonacci. Fibon the Fibonacci sequence is what explains a lot of uh, phenomenon in, in natural physics. So all the, the hurricanes, all the, the shape of, the, um, of shells, and, and I mean, many other things in life, many, many, I couldn't name, uh, are explained by this mathematical equation. And the sequence starts by one, and then two, and three, and five, because every number ahead in the sequence is the sum of the two previous one, which means that we are always, the difference that we make between what came before us and what will come afterwards, us. If you have children, your children, if you don't have natural children, your projects, your, the good that you did to other people, this is, these are the children that we put in the world in a broader sense. And, and it's mathematically explained that your life meant what you added beyond what you got. And the main problem that we have that we see in life of in the life of many people is that they reject what they got from their parents. And by parents, I don't mean only the biological parents, but everybody that came before and gave them the place that they got in life. So if you started at a certain point at your own place in the system, it is because of everybody that came before the good and the bad, what was done and what was not done yet. And the beautiful thing is that because it's not finished, you still have a lot to do and your life is so necessary. And you're here to do the best you can 
to put forward the whole humanity so that the next generation will start from a better place in the next and the next. So basically we have to look two generations back and then move forward from there. Whatever you were like, because you said two numbers at the back. So let's say two generations. Yeah, but it can be your your father and your mother. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Different yeah. interpretation. I, I don't think we go that that deep in the in the connection. No, I'm, I'm I'm okay with going two two generations back also. I mean, there is so much that got lost, maybe. But the, the first the generation yeah. behind you might not have picked up certain things. So you go back and you pick up something more. So you've added more than what they picked up. So maybe that way it works also, because some people might reject the certain things, but you might see the value in it. So you must look back beyond what people behind you look back. So maybe exactly. that's also important. That's also important, I think. Yeah, but but also if you reject what you got for any reason, because you were in a, you were born in a violent family, because you never met your father, because your mother was a drug addict, it doesn't matter. Every story has something hard to deal with. Uh, but if you think that they were not good enough, you will always be looking backwards and you will not be fulfilling your role in life, which is to think what you got and then move forward. You can only move forward once you have embraced everything you got. And there is a sentence by Isaac Newton that I love to talk about this subject. He said, I could only see further because I stepped on the shoulders of giants. So this is what children do to what they got. Yeah, exactly. So, but now what I've understood from this is Gabriela is that I started a series which I did not take forward after that. I did about five, I think three, four, five episodes of that. It was called Mediators, Mediation, and Spirituality. Now I've understood it's coming back, and Gabriela is going to be on that. She's going to take With us pleasure. through a lot of lot of interesting things. I think which. And even what we're discussing now, this is that other show that I do in conversation with the beautiful mind. This is what it's all about, these conversations. So I think maybe I'll have to rename this one. I'll have to call it that. <laughs> no, we'll have to do another one of that. That will do another one. That, that'll be another one because I did keep this only, I don't know why this jams, but the thing is, happened because there are so many people out there who didn't, first of all, won't even have known about it. So at least that information. Then to get inspired with experiences of yours, at least there is something that they can look at and find out. And then maybe learn about maybe just the fact of how you, the projects that you thought of and what you did, and then you came back and how you implemented all that. That was the idea behind this series for the Jams Fellows. So I don't know if there is anything else you want to tell them on that, please. If there's more on the Jams yeah, I, Fellowship aspect of it. What I wanted to tell you <laughs> is that next time it has to be the inverse. I asked the questions and you asked. <laughs> Look, Gabriel, a lot of because... people have said that. A lot of people said that. I said that will happen and when I'm 75 because that is the way I started with <laughs> the, the evolution of a mediator with uh, Ken Cloak. He was, of course, he was almost 80 that time. This year only turned 80. So there's enough time for that. Know him. I mean, yeah. no, he's a wonderful person. He's a wonderful person. Yeah, Such wonderful. Because we, I, and and the, the work that he created, the Mediators Beyond Borders, is absolutely phenomenal. Let me tell you something. Like in terms of what he writes, I keep telling him also, I don't read books. So the, what he writes, I would not have read. But just the person that he is, the beautiful soul that he is, that's what is, is good having, being with, just being there. So that's what I'm saying, that this is something about that energy field that feels good. 
because all the work that he did and does, I have not read about it. I mean, I do. Of course, he co-founded Mediators Beyond Borders. Okay, you get to know that as you go along. Okay, but the person, I'm more interested in the person. Person, everything else can be around that, but that person is something that, I mean, you don't find that many beautiful souls as you go along with life. There are lots of them. I'm there are, but you don't actually come across so many. So that has been the good part about this online world, that. That interaction that I've had with so many people, I've been able to find such good people all over the world, and that's felt good. And then, of course, just connecting with them and whatever. I mean, look, you don't have to be doing something together. It's just the fact that you connect. And like you said, that connection is not even if you're on a Zoom call. That connection is beyond that. So that, I think that is what feels good. Connected to yeah. good people, it just there's something good, nice about that. Yeah. So, the, so we have I totally to... agree. Yeah. It's but, absolutely wonderful to meet you. Um, but, very, very but, pleased. Interest. No, they're very nice of you. And this, I'm just saying that all that you've said, I'm telling you, there's so much that we have to discuss and learn from you. I'm not. I mean, just you have to take us to theory because I said I'm not a theory person at all. I'm practical. It's my experience kind of things that I put across. I think both the the combination of the two is required because I come from a total, like I say, unadulterated thing that I don't have any theory which is playing on my mind whatever I've seen and heard and experienced I come from there and put it onto a theory is much better for me so that I'm not influenced by so much reading but what I'm going to do is which I would always always do is take you through what I do in a month this this month thing I'm going to take you through so you know that all these activities happen because LinkedIn and Zoom for Facebook will never tell you all this because their algorithm will only show you certain parts but why I'm trying to put this across is that there are so many things. And of course, YouTube channel, subscribe to it. You get to know what's happening. So I'm just going to take you through that. And then, of course, we'll go further on this. This was that symposium. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is 80 plus. I've asked. This was designed by Rafael. He's in Mexico. This is on the original poster of Woodstock. So after that, it became 90 plus. So he's good. I've asked him to change that. But really nice what he did. I mean, I really like this. So this is what happened in August and September. And very nice. This is that this series that I've started, Mediator Experiences. So Adi was there. Oh, these are recorded. I mean, Tatlim, all wonderful people. I don't know. I'm sure you know them. Just very nice people. Just very nice. Then Migle. This is the she's the one in her in that in conversations, the beautiful mind who told me about this. And that's where the interest came in. And then Kachajina. And they've all of them have been on my other shows. My mm -hmm. other shows of Evolution of a Mediator or In Conversations with Beautiful Mind, they've been there. Vana. Vana. Gide was there yesterday. Really nice. He's from Ethiopia. Very nice person. This is you. Oh, I know her. Yeah, I just seen, <laughs> I just seen the scene. <laughs> and then Chitra is supposed to record it. Let's see when she gets time. This was a, on our, there's a draft mediation bill that has come out. There was a discussion on that. And workshop I did on that, doing this one tomorrow also on this bill. Because for me, this is important because I just feel that regulating it is a big issue. And of course, we have to give our views of what happens is later. Because I, I'm, according to me, government and judiciary should just stay away from at least mediation. Dispute resolution has to happen otherwise than in courts and with the government. But they're trying to get in in some way. So that this is that lecture series that I've started. This was the inspiration behind that. <laughs> this is what Ken Globe said in that thing. I, I completely understand the feeling. Yeah. So I'm just saying there's so many people we need to inspire. 
So you are going to be one of the lecturers on that. We we discussed that schedule. So like Michael Lang, of course. I don't I don't know whether you know Michael Lang. Again, another wonderful. No, not personally. No. Okay, beautiful soul. I'll send you the invitation tomorrow. Yeah, he's he's coming on one of my shows called Talking Books. I'll just tell you about that. She's in Argentina Great. again. Very good mm-hmm. thoughts, good intentions, wonderful person sitting in a one small town, wanting to do very nice things. But of, obviously, what opportunities you get as you go along in mediation, that there's some limitations there. So I'm trying to see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And he's from Nigeria. Vernie mm-hmm. Mayor, I don't know if you know him. No. He's also, I mean, very senior mediator, and again, very wonderful person. We started the this in in this month. And he obviously expected in this evolution of a mediator that okay he'll start getting into his life and everything. I only talk about I'm go into a person's life into history and everything. To to right now in one episode we've only covered his grandparents and his mother growing up, and he was like also said in all my life no one has asked me these questions. <laughs> so we're in a every it's slow process because everything matters. What values your mother gave you and what experiences they had. that makes you what you are it's not as simple as you just saying okay now i'm doing this work i'm a mediator no there lots where goes into it gunavati again wonderful person from malaysia she gave a lecture yesterday day before yesterday so this is what is happening tomorrow and i want you to come for this so he's into reflective practice so wow. he has these reflective practice groups all over the world so he's getting people from that group although it says 5:30 but it's going to be 6:30 because his he had some commitments and the time that time because the time changes na that this daylight saving time changes mm-hmm. so that part of it for him that calculation did not work out so now it's 6:30 but anyway i'll send you that invitation the zoom link so this is should be interesting this is a reflective practice thing very very interesting so this is for people who get a discount he's given a special discount for people Of course, there was a talking books with Ken. He actually gave a discount, which was the code was called Vikram. So I was happy with that. <laughs> special. That was like that was special, special. <laughs> Kathy Potter, another very interesting person. She's of course in the symposium. Also, you should watch her session about art and mediation. She's been talking about that and a lot of interesting things. So this is actually part three of her of her uh, episodes. And Raphael is the one who designed that poster. So this, and then Andrea, another. She's also part of Michael's reflective practice groups, also, and of course she's well, keeps coming for the events that I do. Again, another wonderful person, and this is on the last day of the month to celebrate the birthday. Your birthday? No, not my birthday. It's your birthday. No, no, ah. birth, birthdays of mediators in that month. Ah, okay. <laughs> you can wish me. I'm okay. I'm always ready to celebrate. But this is what that was for. So let's because look, I keep saying mediators are special people. Let's celebrate them, which is what is not happening. They're just taken for That's granted. True. The Roman puts any value to them because it comes so naturally to them. They don't put value to themselves. Forget the world putting a value to them. So this is what the idea behind this was. So this is what is what a month looks like. Very very nice. I I just thought while we were passing through and you you talked about the the legislation in India, I remember the very good friend who I met at Gems. He is uh, currently he is also a an arbitrator at Gems. Just a second. And he's a law professor at um, Loyola Law School, and he was he had a class. just about mediation legislation and they were designing a, a suggestion to the indian mediation law 
and so he he called some people to talk about comparative legislation etc so i was one of the people who talked to the class about the brazilian process of building the the legislation and then i mean that was just uh, raw material for the the product that they were building together with the class of this suggestion to the indian law and was that Hiro? Hiro, He's been on my show also in conversations with beautiful mind. Ah, okay, yeah. okay. He's a great friend, yeah. wonderful person. I told him that you that the whole common thing of that evolution of mediator came out. They're good human beings. He said, "I don't think I'm a good human being." <laughs> you, have to, you have to you have to watch his episode. You must watch. It's very nice conversation to watch. He's funny. Isn't <laughs> yeah, it really nice? It was really nice. Which makes him even better. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So okay. the, no, I'll tell you the issue with that, with this whole legislation thing is I keep telling people that India has the best law on mediation. Okay, it's called Which is none. No, no, it's the best. It's uh, called conciliation. Uh, you already have it. Okay. It's, it's called conciliation. Time... No, no, it has always been there since 1996. I've been uh. saying all the time that's the best law on mediation because uh. the point is that mediation, as we have been speaking about today, has a definition in the Singapore Convention. And it says any process by whatever name it's called, however you do it, as long as it's a third person, it's a mediator, assisting you in resolving a dispute but doesn't have the authority to impose a decision. That's it. So, and Unsitral has clarified that in the earlier model laws, they were using the word conciliation. Now they're using mediation. And we picked it up from the Unsitral model law. So people forgot that, that history behind it. And they kept saying, no, mediation is different. Conciliation is different. The, in the new Unsitral model law on mediation, they've clarified it. They specifically put there that this is what we were saying, this is what it is, very clearly. So I'm saying we have the best law on mediation. And these two words of mediation and conciliation being used in our Arbitration Act also, there is a usage of mediation and conciliation under the aspect of that consent award aspect of it, that the party, the arbitrator should see whether they can resolve it through mediation or conciliation. And I keep saying why those two words are required. I'm saying there is an informal process of mediation happening all the time. It doesn't have to end in a written settlement agreement. Verbal contracts are as good as contracts in our country. And it must, must, must be in a lot of countries. But in our country, of course, a verbal contract is as good. And if the parties want to leave it at a verbal contract, you can't force them to put a settlement in a, in a written contract. But that's a verbal contract will not come under our conciliation law because that requires a written settlement agreement. Because the written settlement agreement is as good as a court decree. So mm -hmm. if they don't want to go through that process, they don't have to. So they use mediation. And then in that case, it becomes a contract which is enforceable as a contract. And uh, mm -hmm. this conciliation is a decree which is executable. So mm -hmm. in same thing in the arbitration, when it says that, it means when you go for mediation, you are still in the arbitration and you come back to the, the, to the arbitrator and he passes a consent award. When you go mm -hmm. for conciliation under, it's part of the Arbitration Conciliation Act. So if you go for mm -hmm. conciliation, you go out of the arbitration and that by itself, that conciliation, that written settlement agreement is as good as a consent award. So you don't have to go back to the arbitrator. So it's all very well laid out and no one has spoken about this and they keep confusing people and their vested interests who want to do that also. And this has gone on for 25 years. Can you imagine we have the best law in the world? Can you imagine the empowerment of a person in sitting in a village in India, 1.3 billion people, how much access to courts can you give them? There are thousands of kilometers away from the Supreme Court. There are villages in India which must be two and a half thousand kilometers away from the Supreme Court. So you, they, in their sitting in that village, if you can get a court decree, 
and it's such a simplified way nothing no nothing i mean just a process laid down that's what we needed we needed and today also we need that but because there are vested interests and the self interest of the judiciary i say why are you even talking about mediation it has nothing to do with you and you have finished off litigation you finished off arbitration i just finished a mediation which was an arbitration which was pending and it was 14 years imagine suit filed in 2007 goes for arbitration comes back to the court because it's challenged the award is challenged is lying in the court the entire process has already taken 14 years it might take another 10 years this is arbitration so you finished off judiciary is finished off litigation finished off arbitration now let us finish off mediation also let us not let it survive that is where my problem with the entire thing happens so but okay i am one of those lone voices because i am one of the very rare people in this world who only practices as a mediator very rare it's very rare in the world so for me i'm a real lone voice because everyone has their interest they're part of the court system so they keep the judges happy some of them think they'll become judges tomorrow if they do mediations in the court system they'll be recognized so those a lot of things judiciary has a self interest which i just said they want to clear the backlog they're not the least interested if mediation develops or doesn't develop and they can't ask people to pay for a process which they didn't come for so they can't ask people to pay for mediation so ultimately the either the state funds it so if the state funds it i am saying why should a mediator in the court system get anything less than a judge and actually should get more than a judge because at least that finality is coming the judge's order will be challenged can be challenged and might be overturned also but the mediator is at least giving finality to that whole dispute so give pay him more than the judge also but it is not that recognition and finally that colonization and mindset will come through and you'll hear me repeat this so i'm so sure you're tired of this i'll stop here i won't go any further no, i'm not tired at all episode of in conversation with beautiful mind so at this point let me thank you and maybe thank let me you just stop so the much. live stream so thank you very much gabriel it was wonderful talking to you and all these thoughts that you put together and they resonate and they also things that i thought about and my concepts through experience and your theory that you bringing in i think is ideal combination so thanks and a lot and it's great to see that the whole world is almost the same yes exactly <laughs> it is exactly because well, when you come down to the soul that you do nothing no nationalities no nothing else comes in between it's a very pure concept so exactly. that part of it is so so let me just stop the live stream here so thank you very much gabriela it was very nice thank talking you. to you yeah. and let me stop the recording also